I am miffed. I have not I, fully calmed down yet. Honestly. I am more than miffed on your behalf. I am I am going to label myself furious on your behalf. Thank you. Thank you. And this is just going to feed into people who think I'm angry, but I'm I'm furious on yeah. your behalf. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Right, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Rourke. Rourke, hello and happy Sunday. Hello. I am having a lovely Sunday. I currently have on a face mask, so this is going to be a particularly sweaty-looking recording for me. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm normally in pajamas, and I actually like went and did something today, so I am dressed, although I'm not wearing pants. You look cute as hell. Um, I'm very jealous. But – it's funny. I'm having a very relaxing Sunday. I feel very good, but I'm a little bit anxious because I'm running low on various Sunset Lake CBD products. I feel that. I need to refill my sleep gummies specifically. Yeah. Yes. It's the gummies and it's my mint CBD oil. Those two oh, you, I'm running You're into the low. mint. I, I really like, like the mint. the natural flavor one. Oh, I don't know that I've I've cracked that one yet. Yeah, I I just cracked it first before I tried the flavored ones, and I like the taste of it. Very, very good. Yeah. It's funny. It's like a vicious circle where th- the CBD, you know, makes you feel chill, and I'm anxious that I'm out of my chill pills. And, <laughs> and now around and around we go. Um, yeah. For anybody who hasn't tried Sunset Lake, they are a hemp farm located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. They do a, have a farm-to-table approach to making CBD. So they have third-party tested, responsibly produced, high-quality products that actually work. And Rourke and I have tried almost all of their products at this point, and we love every single one of them. Yeah, bar none. And yeah, I've, I posted my Sunset Lake to my Instagram story a couple days ago, and several of my friends DM'd me being like, oh my god, what I tried or what you've gifted me or you know, insert XYZ that they are yeah. equally obsessed. Yes. Everyone that I've talked to has loved it. Um, so you can check them out today. They ship directly from their farm to your door. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com. You can use our coupon code FMH20 for 20% off all products. They are farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. We love them. We do. Thank you. Thank you, Sunset Lake, especially because I am very sore from volleyball today, and so the hemp salve is really helping me. Yeah, your me. salve is Yeah, cracking. my salve. My salve. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months, and I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah, and also it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're, they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Okay. We both had a couple dates this week. We did. We have a lot going on. Yes. I I want to start with you. I want to hear more about um, the writer. The writer? 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a date last week and just to set the, set the scene for the date for a second, I got there right on, I got there maybe a couple minutes early and right as I was walking in, I got a text from him that he was running a couple minutes behind. Uh He is currently house sitting for a dog and he had to take the dog out on a walk. He's house sitting for a dog or he's, he's pet sitting. Well, he's staying at the house and dealing with the dog. So he's doing both. Oh, I, he's pet house sitting. I, I thought know. you meant that the dog was his client. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, that'd be very funny. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, saw, what I thought. Okay, keep going. So um, he's house sitting where a dog happens to live, not on its own. Not it has <laughs> adult parents. <laughs> and so um, he had to take the dog out. And the dog was like taking its time. Anyway. So the woman seats me and she – it's like a two-seater and it's outside and there's a little bench and there's a solo chair and she's like, mm-hmm. you know, take whatever seat you want. And there is a another date going on at the table next to me. I assess – I end up assessing it's a first date. The man has brought his dog. Okay. And so – and this dog is really encroaching on the bench seat of the table that I'm now being sat at. And so I kind of make a joke to the hostess and say, oh, like, haha, no problem. I guess I'll like sit with the dog. And she goes, oh, if like I can totally reseat you. To-. And that is not actually what I was trying to convey at all. And I was like, no, 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 no. Totally fine. I was kidding. Though I don't like dogs. Exactly. Though I'm not like a huge fan of this environment right now. And this dog was so ill-behaved, I cannot. Oi. And it was just a it was just a very funny experience, also, because I felt like I kept the girl he was on a date with wasn't noticing. This dog started eating her Gucci purse. And Oh God. Yes. And so the guy, of course, when I sat down, was like, this is Gemma, you know, da, 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 introduced me to the dog. And so I noticed the dog gnawing on this Gucci wristlet and say, oh, Gemma, hi, you have expensive taste. Maybe don't do that. You know, like I'm Maybe trying to not. fucking. Yeah. Anyway, so I text the writer and I tell him to oh, take your time. I've befriended other people. <laughs> um, but anyway, he gets there. We end up, we met up at eight. This bar closes. It's a very quiet wine bar. It closes at 10. Okay. And so we like shut – we're literally the last people there. They're like stacking chairs. Um, We had such a great time. I enjoy talking to him so much. Um, I told him about the podcast and – Was this the first time that you had told him about the pod was on this yeah. date? Okay. Yeah, it was. And he was very cute about it. was very curious because um, – we were talking about it from the perspective of the level of creativity that we want our lives to have, mm, like mm-hmm. needing an outlet for that, you know, stuff like that. Cause obviously his job is dominantly creative and, right. um, how, like I was saying how, like, I don't really define myself as a creative person, but then this like podcast has given me this outlet, whatever. And we ended up having a really nice conversation about it. I did. So he is not Mr. Height. He is my height. So when <laughs> You're I told tall, him, though. yeah, I'm five. I am yeah. taller than an average man. So, yeah. yeah. So he's my height. Right when I'm talking about the podcast, the girl on the first date goes to the bathroom. Okay. So the guy now views it as his cue to join our conversation. Sure. Yeah. 
Yes. I guess he was bored, so he joins in. And so he goes, you have a podcast? What's it called? Oh. And I go, ha, ha, ha. You know, it's two, it's two women in their 30s talking about dating. Like, it's 96% women. You, you, we're good without you. Yeah. You don't need to listen. <laughs> you stranger at the table next to us. Wait, at this point, had you told the writer what it's called or had you just told him about it in concept? I don't think I'd gotten to the name yet. Okay. I, I do end up saying the name. Mm-hmm. I say like, oh, it's like called Finding Mr. Height. And I, I give the backstory of like, this is my friend's account. I kind of like pestered her into the – like she was like super successful on like Instagram and TikTok. And I was like, bitch, let me ride your coattails. And <laughs> and I was like telling him the story whatever. And I go, yeah. So like she's – I said you were six foot one. You pointed out that I added an inch. <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought I heard you wrong because so you said this to me in a voice note. I went back and re-listened to the voice note to be like, did I hear that wrong? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just fucked up. Oh, it's fine. So Matt, said, you know like, what though? According to men, I am six foot one. You really are though. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> and so I said that. I was like, yeah, so like, you know, finding Mr. Height, da, da, da. I'm like, I, like, I'm fine with like not height. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And this other so guy funny. is now listening. Like the other guy oh, is now, now in the conversation. He's now participating. And he, he goes, <sighs> he goes, well, maybe if he and I start listening, we can make your male audience 5%. I'm like, no, okay, we're good. Do you we're know how good. math works? It's funny you said that. That is exactly what visiting Allie said. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you think we have was, like, I don't, I'm not even going to do this quick math, but do you think we have like 20 listeners to zero? Exactly. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, where two is going to like really tip the scales on the percentages. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I'm kind of like a little awkwardly navigating the conversation, not doing my best. And the writer is laughing and and is like, you do not have to worry about me. I'm very comfortable in my skin. I was like, great. Great. Yeah. And we also had a what is your ideal outcome of dating right now type conversation. It didn't – Amazing. It came up pretty organically. We were talking about – I actually almost think the podcast kind of introduced the topic nicely. Yeah. You know, he asked me, he asked me, he's like, what is your goal with dating and like being on like online, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'm, I I gave my stock answer, which is true, which is that I'm abstractly dating with the intention of finding a long-term partner and I'm not in a rush or trying to slot somebody into that role. I want it to be like the right thing, but that is what I want for my life. And he could not agree more. Was like he's like I'm very much on that page as well. He's like I feel like I spent a lot of time like in my career switch. He used to be I didn't know this. I learned this since he used to be in advertising. Oh, and then switched to TV writing. Writing, yeah, interesting. Hmm? I said interesting. Yeah, and so he said, you know, for a long time I was sort of trying to like cut my teeth and like make it in this like pretty difficult thing, and now I'm much more settled and can feel like I can like be a partner to someone and like want yeah. that in my life. So it's really nice. And he knew my friend was and in town. What did the guy at the table next to you, what was his answer? Uh, he at this point was <laughs> – I think they had left at this point. Okay. Uh, thank fucking God. We have been sporadically texting in a really nice way since our date and I'm going to see him again on Tuesday. Amazing. What are you doing on Tuesday? I do not know yet. Yeah. I suggest I suggested the wine bar we went to and so I'm I'm putting ball in his court a little bit on this one. Well, fun. Third play. date on the books. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I like Love him. It. That's great. Yeah, he's a very good guy. And you went, did you go on another date this week also or just that one? Well, yes, I had my terrible match. Oh, date. fuck. I forgot about that. It wasn't terrible. That's not fair. He was a very nice guy that was gregarious, very 
very, he made it a good time. Yeah. It was a nice time. I am miffed. I have not I, fully calmed down yet. Honestly. I am more than miffed on your behalf. I am I am going to label myself furious on your behalf. Thank you. Thank you. And this is just going to feed into people who think I'm angry, but I'm I'm furious on yeah. your behalf. Yeah, yeah. I only re- as we have discussed before, I only receive information about them at 5 p.m. the day before. Right. And it's pretty anonymized. I've only been able to find out who they are once now. Yeah. And that's because I think they named the company that one time. The other times it's been like, he works in the financial industry or, you know, something like that. And one time they named it. And so I found it. Yeah. And, or they gave a grad school, whatever. This time, his job description was an, was industry general, but Very it gave general. me pause because there is one company within that industry that is employs probably the largest like of that industry the biggest one that is headquartered in LA is a place that my job it would cause like a conflict of interest with right. my job you can't date somebody who works at that company essentially i guess you I could. could you could but i would it have would, to remove would... myself from the matters that i'm on that deal with it yeah right it would it would just be easier and better if you just didn't Exactly. Like I'm not – like it's fine. LA is a big enough city where it's like I don't need to date that company. Right. They tell me the industry. I instantly like text my friends and I'm like, it's got to be, right? And my like, work what friends – what if he works there? Yeah, and my work friends are like, it has to be. It's like the biggest one here. Like it, it has to be. So I then just decide I'm going to email the matchmaker and ask – Yeah. Um, in- insert a very valiant effort on both of our parts to find this man. Yes. Which – Proved unsuccessful. Yeah. It, yes. So we were unable to – like that – that's relevant here, right? That we are – because of how vague it is, we are unable to self-help ourselves yeah. into this answer. Yeah. And I, I even combed through LinkedIn profiles of people who work at that company to try to like back my way into finding out if he worked you, there and couldn't. You were doing the Lord's work. Yeah. I- <laughs> I, resp- I email back and I say, hi there, can you confirm or deny that he works at X? Right. And you said you said it would be a conflict, right? In that email, you said like it's it would be a problem. So in that one, I don't. They then oh, okay. respond and say, we can confirm that he does not. That he does not. I respond, that's great to hear because if he did, that would have been a problem with my job. Smiley face emoji. Great. No response to that. Okay. So we're thinking like done and dusted. Dusted, yes. This because there are solved. there are other companies. There are other companies in this industry in LA. This is feasible. Okay. Fine. Plenty. Yeah. He could also like be an entrepreneur in that industry. Totally. Great point. So many jobs. So many jobs. Yes. Guess where he works? <laughs> At that fucking company. Yes, he does. He sure <laughs> fucking does. As it turns out, he starts there on Monday. It's brand new. I recognize that that put things in a gray area. And so when I did speak to my matchmaker, the feedback I got was that when they screened him, he was still in an interviewing process at a couple places and it wasn't clear where he was going to go, which to that we respond, but you said no. That The part that makes me angry is that they categorically said, no, he does not work at that company, when in fact they did not know what company he worked at. Correct. I really wish they had just said, when we last spoke to him, he was interviewing, so we don't know, because then I would have responded, like, you need to email him and sort this out. We have out. to find out. 
Yeah, yeah we have to find out because I can't go on this date if he works there. Exactly. Exactly. And it was a very – then it was also just a very frustrating call, frankly. And I feel bad saying this because I like my matchmaker. And actually, like, what one of the things I said to them was, like, I've put a lot of trust in you. And this is, like, kind of the first experience where I'm not pleased. Yeah. And so, like, I really need you to, like, hear me on this one. One of the things – so the question I got was, well, can you explain to me why you can't? And I said, no, I, I really can't. I can say that there's a conflict and it ends there. What is what is so hard to understand about that? Like I don't I know. Mean, people might just not know what like a legal conflict of interest is. That that could be. I guess, but like you're saying it's a conflict with my job. Mm-hmm. That's it. like that. That to me, that should just be like. I an wonder if they've had. Thing. I wonder if they have had people try to weasel out of shit. Maybe, but the the thing that I keep coming back to is that you asked about this before you'd ever met him. It's not like you went out with him, decided that he wasn't a match, and then tried to get out of whatever it is, him counting as a match or like whatever the recourse might be. Like, yes, you before you ever met this dude flagged it. Yes, 100%. And they and they said back like, "Well, is it that entire industry? Should we put that in your profile?" I was like, "No. No. I just wanted you to respond accurately to the question, the direct question that I asked you. Yeah. It all comes back to this direct question that you asked that they they lied to you, essentially. Like they yes. didn't have the information and they said that they did. Correct. All correct. Anyway, so then ending the conversation with the most insane kind of corporate doublespeak was, okay, well, I will circle up with, you know, your other – with kind of the team and we'll take next steps. I the literally said – sentence. Mm-hmm. I literally said back, you need to tell me what all of those phrases mean to you. What are next steps? What is circling up? What does circling up mean? You've said absolutely nothing. Exactly. And then finally, and then I get reflected back to me, would you like this match not to count? And I said, yes, I think that that is the appropriate recourse. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's happening or they have to confirm that stuff? I believe that it has to be bubbled up one level. But I will have There's, a Zoom session with that level up person, and I will reiterate all of this to her. And she and I do have a she and I have a very good relationship. She's the person I talk to after every date. The person I talked yeah. to about this was sort of a middleman. Got it. Okay. And so the girl that I'll Zoom with is like she and I get along great, and like I I don't think she'll give me a problem. Yeah. There's there to me. There, I mean, if I were in charge, there are no there are no ifs ands or buts about this situation. I think it's actually even more clear than the one that I had where it didn't end up counting, where like he had lied. Like he had he had hid something from my matchmaker. Yes. That like she had no way of knowing. Right. Cause then in that case, your matchmaker was like, I did everything I could. Whereas mine exactly. here did not. Did not. Did not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she either gave you information that she didn't actually have or directly lied to you. I I'm the benefit of the doubt that it's the former, but like still. I have a feeling they were just hoping for the best and wanted me to go on the date. Yeah, but like th- hope is not a strategy. No, it is not. No, it sure is not. Anyways. Ugh, all right. Well, I you? look forward That's to hearing the, the- – um, I also went on two dates this week. Love it. Both were first dates. The first date that was supposed to get rescheduled that I mentioned last week never did. Wild, but he, we live in he these He never times. replied. It's so weird. Like he – he did the exact right thing of like realizing he had a conflict, asking if I minded rescheduling, asking when I'm free to do that, to like reschedule in the moment and then never replied to my freedom. 
Very strange. Super weird, but like whatever. So first first date was on Thursday. Um, We're calling him the trainer. Okay. He gets a nickname. He's worthy. He he gets a nickname. Um, Both of them have nicknames. Um, So this was – this is interesting. So we went to a dive bar in the East Village that was like one of the diviest dive bars I've ever been to actually. Oh, wow. I, I like dug it. I like that kind of vibe and I like different like weird beer a lot and mm-hmm. I like pool. So like it had all of those things and so I was into it. It did have a disco ball in the corner, mm. which it just was out of place. It was like a dive bar that had this like disco ball in the corner. It was just weird. Anyway. So – By the way uh, – I'm imagining yeah. like a Jim Carrey movie version of your life where somehow like the disco balls like become kind of like possessed and are like comedically like chiming in and like <laughs> speaking on your dates and like haunting you in various you know, ways. You know what's weird? I actually had a dream about him last night. Whoa. Yeah. I, I don't know where it came from. I dream about random exes and random people I've been on dates with like all sure. the time. It's not like super odd, but I was actually annoyed because I was having a really lovely dream about my dad. Mm. And like a pre-cancer version of my dad, which I I don't dream about that version of him very often. And I woke up like randomly really early and out of that dream and was like, oh, no, like I want to go back to sleep. I want to go back to that dream. So I went back to sleep and then I dreamed about the disco ball. And just quickly about this dream, I was conscious enough in the dream. In the dream, I was like at his – it was a, like a, a large house in the dream and he was like having a party and I was there like as his date. But in the dream, all of the stuff that had transpired between us had still transpired and I had no recollection of how I got from him not responding to my text message to being at the party as his date. Oh, that's like, so funny. In, in real time, in the in the dream, I was like, "How the f- why the fuck am I here? Like why am I still talking to this man? How did this happen? That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So anyway – so it was like this dive bar. We got there. We got beers. We ended up playing pool. We had like good conversation, like solid, easy to talk to, nice guy, would go on a second date with him, like kind of vibes. Um, and he – so towards the end of the date, we had a what is your ideal outcome of dating look like for you right now? Interestingly enough, so I mentioned – that I have a side business when we were talking about work, 99 times out of 100 – I haven't said it 100 times, but 99% of the time, there is a follow-up question about what my side business is and that is when I tell them about this podcast, the account, et cetera. He did not ask that follow-up question. <laughs> okay. Just blowing right past it. Blew right past my side business, um, which is like a little weird because he's also self-employed. So like yeah. I thought it would be like a thing. So he doesn't know. To the, to, about this. And sometimes I talk about it on the second date too, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but typically it comes up. Anyway, I ask him what his ideal outcome of dating is. He says that he's looking for a relationship and, you know, et cetera. But then he starts answering a question that I didn't ask, which is how are the dating apps going for you? Mm. So he transitions from the fact that he's looking for a relationship into the fact that he's like really struggled with dating apps and has like deleted them on and off over the course of however long he's been single. I don't really remember the detail of that. Mm-hmm. And that, and as he's talking, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a lot of information that I didn't ask for. And he starts telling me about how 
he one of the things that he struggles with with dating apps is that he prefers to date one person at a time. Oh, all right. Which is totally fine. Cool. Yeah. However, the next part is where we get into the overshare territory. He then tells me, so we'd had this date scheduled for over a week because we matched before I went to Austin and we put this date on the calendar for when I come back. Right. And we had like a little joke. He's like, I said like something like, you know, try not to meet your future husband in Austin and like I'll try not to get engaged while you're gone kind of thing. And so he was like, well, like I didn't get married while you were gone, but I did go on two dates and like both of them were good. And so like I wasn't really sure what to do. Yeah, your face is exactly my face. I'm like, why am I here? Why are you telling me this? Oh, yikes. And he was like, I wasn't really sure how to handle it. And I asked my friends and they said that I shouldn't cancel. So like I didn't cancel this date. I'm like, am I supposed to say thank you right now? Oh my God, the word vomit. So much word vomit. And so I just – he was just going on and on and like it didn't – he did say that like he was having a good time with me as well. But I, I just like – I don't – I'm like, why are you telling me about these other dates that you were on? And it, the vibe I was getting was not that he was like trying to pit me against these other women or like make it seem like a competition. Like it was not that at all. I think it was truly he was processing his feelings out loud. It sounds like In that a too. way that like – he should not do. Yeah. Like this is for your therapist, not me. And it's for him to think about and decide not to bring you along on that decision process. C- completely. Yes. And so that happened. And when I and so then he said he asks me, "Well, how about you? How have the they have dating apps been going for you?" I'm like, "No, this is not a how about you moment because I never asked you that question." Mm-hmm. So instead, I answered the question that I'd actually asked him <laughs> and said like I also am looking for a relationship, but I don't think that my experience on Bumble to date is relevant to that. True. Like, and he like accepted that. Like, basically, like, I'm not going to tell you about how my dating life is going. Yeah. I'm still single and that's why I'm here. Yeah. And and I am looking for a relationship. And those are the two things that you should know at this juncture. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm single and I want a relationship. Moving on. I'm single and I – that's all you need to know. Yeah. And I'm emotionally ready for a relationship. That like it couched yes. in that, right? Um. So when we said goodbye, he was like – we said goodbye. He asked me to like message him when, when I got home and he then like apologized for being kind of like all over the place. And I was like, it's okay. Like, you know, all good, whatever. So I did message him when I got home. Mind you, we didn't exchange phone numbers. This is still in Bumble. I messaged him when I got home. He never replied. That night, nor all day Friday, but then yesterday, Saturday, messaged me wishing me good luck at my volleyball tournament. How interesting. Very interesting. So I re- I replied this morning because I actually didn't check Bumble all day yesterday due to the volleyball tournament. I was yeah. gone. I was out of my apartment from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Oof. Long day. Yeah. So I didn't look at anything until today. And I messaged him back and he told me how his weekend was, but like that's where we're at. I I have no update on like – where he's at, but I feel pretty strongly that given the information that he gave me, the ball is in his court to figure that out. Agreed. Like, is he going to pursue that one person or no? No idea. Well, no, it was two different people. He went on two first dates over the weekend. Oh, I thought he was saying he went on two dates with one person Mm-mm. and like was kind of liking no. them. Okay, got two it. Two different people. Got it, got two it, Two different it. people. So there's now three of us in the mix. Wow, that's how is he? How is he keeping his head above water? It's a hot, hot commodity. But yeah. and again, that is not how. That is not the vibe I got. He was no, no, not no. I just mean to... like with his own emotional state. I know. 
Yeah. So like given that though, like I'm not I am not in a headspace where I want to ask him to go on a second date because like he has not indicated to me that he is emotionally open to that. So like he needs to decide that on his own. So that's the trainer. Right. Door number two. I went on a first date coffee walk on Friday. Yes. Your summer Friday coffee walk. My summer Friday coffee walk. So this is a guy I also met on Bumble a couple days prior to that. We're calling him the cold brew, (laughs) Um, which somebody mentioned on my live this morning kind of is like the slow burn. Like the opposite of the spark is the Ooh, cold brew. Oh, I like that. Yeah, me too. I liked it a lot. Um, I think her name is Mary. Mary, thank you for that. I hadn't been on a coffee date in a really long time. I enjoyed it. We got our coffee and walked. So we like walked through Fort Greene. We walked through Fort Greene Park. Fort Greene's like a really cute neighborhood with a lot of brownstones and like things to look at and talk about. Mm-hmm. Which is nice so that there were like – we weren't just totally relying on like us generating conversation. There were like things happening around us. He's really interesting. He's got like a cool job. He also recently – it fell out of escrow, but he was recently in the process of buying a place. Mm. And so like we had a lot to talk about in terms of like our home purchasing processes. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure if I was getting like the romantic vibe and connection from him, like from a chemistry perspective. But I was, again, open, you know, go on the second date kind of mentality, like open to that happening. We said goodbye – Whatever, like, you know, hugged goodbye, went back to my car. Yesterday also, which I didn't see until I was driving home, I get this message. I'm not going to read it, but I am going to show it to you on the screen. It's a a multi-paragraph situation. It it takes up my entire phone screen. Yeah. And I have a, a 12 max. Yeah. Wow. That's a lengthy, lengthy message. Lengthy, lengthy message. The long and short of it is that he just got out of a very long-term live-in relationship two weeks ago. Story of our fucking lives. These guys. I know. And he, to his credit, he said that in this message, he said that he, based on details he didn't share, he thought he was ready to move on. Like maybe it was one of those things where like, it was a long time coming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He thought he was ready to dive back into dating. He had a really lovely time with me and I seem wonderful, but it made him realize that he's not and that he needs to like unpack that and, you know, do some work on himself. Absolutely fair. And like, I don't blame him for not realizing that until it happened. We say that all the time, right? Like you're not going to know you're ready until you just like fucking try. Yeah. But the level of detail that he went into, it, it was just another, it was two overshare situations in within the span of two days because just the level of detail that he went into about the relationship and where he's at emotionally was a lot to put on me. A lot. When he very easily could have just said, like, I had a wonderful time with you. I'm recently out of a relationship and realized I'm not ready to date yet. I wonder if he feels like he had to contextualize so that you didn't think it was Probably. an excuse or Probably. bullshit or whatever. So he may have yeah. gone too hard in the, in the explanation. Too hard in the paint. paint yeah. Yeah, as we say, but really nice guy. And like, I don't fault him for not being ready. Like, you don't know until you know. Yeah. Um. So the cold brew will not will not be brewing further. We will not be warming him up. No, no. In summary. Um. So yeah. So those are we have one one no more and one like very significant question mark. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to have a matchmaker date soon. 
I'm just putting it out there in the in the spirit of manifestation, which is the which is the uh, topic of this episode. I am putting out into the universe that I am hoping to have a matchmaker date soon. Amazing. Yeah, we, we I unpaused wishes in the universe. Yes, I unpaused a couple weeks ago, um, like three weeks ago. And when you're paused, sh- because there's like a obviously a financial component of it. When you're paused, she's doing no work. Right. So like she's not. She's not actively researching people. So there's a runway. When you unpause, she then like starts looking for and vetting and interviewing people. Yeah. So it's not like an immediate like, oh, you're unpaused? Great. Here's a date. I might pause for September. That's a really good idea. You're going to be gone. Because I'm going to be gone the 7th through the 25th. Uh, Yeah, absolutely pause. Yeah. I would. Okay. I think I'm going to do that. Um, but yeah, so I didn't expect to have a date within the first probably even month. Um, but I'm hoping, I'm yeah. hoping soon. I will also put it into the world for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of our guest. Yes. Our guest today is Haley Hoffman-Smith. She is a podcast host as well. Her podcast is called Big Conversations with Haley Hoffman-Smith. And she is a just – overall kind of badass with the number of stuff that she has done, but specifically what she's going to talk to us about today is manifestation. She does regular like keynote discussions and speakers. She's been a TEDx speaker twice, um, deep diving into the way that she's implemented manifestation in her life, the science behind it, and just kind of like going after what you want and creating your own big ideas, as she puts it. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. This is an area where I can be a skeptic for sure. Yeah. One of the questions we got was, what does Rourke think about manifestation? <laughs> I'm actually pretty pro, so. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it also – and we'll get into this with Haley. I don't want to steal the thunder of that conversation. But yeah. I think it like depends on how you define it, right? Like if you think about it as like, I am going to put a picture of whatever, Nick Jonas on my wall and then I will marry Nick Jonas because I've manifested it. Like, no. No. I, I'm sorry. Was, you're wrong. Yeah. But like positive mindset and like, you know, you're whatever. We're we're gonna talk about it with Haley. I don't wanna yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna steal. She's the expert, not us. (laughs) She is the expert. So without further ado, let's let's just talk to her. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March twenty first. Get your tickets. We are I think over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about Hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. 
travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Haley. Hi, Haley. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Thanks for having me. We are so excited. We have been getting questions and requests for an episode about manifestation for quite a while now. We're so pumped to talk to you. Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So if not the the favorite thing to talk about. So I'm excited to dive in. This works out then. Um, So, you know, we told our listeners a little bit about you, but would love to hear it from you. Who are you? What are you doing here? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What (laughs) am I doing here? So I like to call myself a subconscious breakthrough coach uh, because the work that I do in manifestation, like in that realm, actually revolves more around the subconscious and how we manifest and create from our subconscious. So the work that I do is working on the subconscious beliefs that we have that run the show in our lives. So this is stuff that's based in like the power of the subconscious mind, the book by Joseph D. Murphy, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. All of those texts really resonate with me and they're cool truths that like when I've tried them on for size and worked on my own subconscious limiting beliefs and cleared those and built out new belief systems, my reality has changed very quickly. So because of that, what was originally like an interest in the law of attraction and the secret and all of that in college has really morphed into me helping myself and others, hopefully through my content and through my programming, identify the subconscious limiting beliefs that are getting in the way of the reality that they want to create and experience and building out new belief systems through things like EFT tapping, listening to affirmations at night, hypnosis, et cetera. That's really cool. Can you give us an example of either if you're comfortable, one of your own subconscious yeah. beliefs that was you felt that was limiting you and how you kind of switched that narrative or maybe the one you worked on with a client, which whatever is appropriate to share? <laughs> okay, sure. I'll share one of my own. So actually, before I got started on TikTok or anything, I had a major fear of being seen, which is something a lot of us have. So this means like a fear of exposure, a fear of fame, a fear of people seeing you, a fear of like sharing yourself. A lot of times you don't even know that you have it. I talk about this concept of like an invisibility cloak, kind of like the Harry Potter concept where, (laughs) you know, sometimes you start creating content and you know the content's good because you're putting your heart and your soul into it. But whenever you post it, there's like crickets. And so you're like, what is going on? And my shadow band is the algorithm. But oftentimes when we dig in a bit deeper and what it was for me and what it is for like a lot of my clients is this fear of like what bad thing happens if I'm seen, which is usually like a a fear related to all the way back in early childhood when you got called on in class and you said something wrong and then everyone laughed at you. And so there was like a big wound and pain there around, oh gosh, when I'm seen, fill in the blank. You know, I'm laughed at, people don't like me. So your subconscious is trying to protect you in your adulthood. And even though, you know, that thing that happened in childhood was so long ago and it resolved itself and everyone forgot, like you still hold on to it because your subconscious holds a memory of everything that's ever happened to you. So the cool thing about this work is that you're able to trace it back. Sometimes you remember it, sometimes you don't, but then you can clear it through energy work like EFT tapping or hypnosis and uh, affirm what you'd rather believe. And then that changes your reality. And what is EFT? Can you define EFT tapping? I'm not familiar with that. My therapist has it. It's very cool. Oh, what is it? So uh, the way that I've heard it described, which is my favorite by Brad Yates, is that it's emotional acupuncture where you're tapping on acupressure points. It's rooted in Chinese medicine. 
and it recalibrates and balances all the energy centers in the body. So if you're going back to a memory or in the moment you're feeling a lot of stress or anxiety or sadness, all those are emotions and emotions are energy that are like up in your body. And so, you know, you might feel it, you might experience it as something that you see when you tap, it rebalances those emotions, helping you release it. And from a neuroscience perspective, this actually indicates to the brain as you release those emotions, that the belief attached to those emotions is less relevant. So Mm -hmm. if, you know, you're thinking back on a belief, like it's scary to be seen, but then your brain goes back to that neural pathway and suddenly there's no more emotion there and you just feel peace. It doesn't find it relevant anymore. So that neural pathway starts to siphon away. Yeah. My therapist has me like hug myself and then I'll like tap things in. Oh, so cool. like yeah. she has me like oh, I should say my former therapist. I'm currently shopping for a new therapist. Um, that's an un- unrelated to this. This is very <laughs> cool that she did. Um, but she'll have me like when I'm visualizing myself in a peaceful state. Like when I she'll have me visualize myself in a calm state, in a peaceful state, in a happy state, and then I'll have my eyes closed and I'll tap that in so mm, that I'm like yes. locking that state. In powerful as like and and it's as we're talking about something that would normally make me quite anxious, yeah, yeah, or yeah. would normally make me really sad. Instead, I like tap in this calm feeling. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's amazing. Yeah, so we use like powerful, um, positive affirmations when tapping, and then sometimes we also like talk about whatever is coming up, like oh, all these feelings of anxiety. It's so scary to be seen in this example, uh, and then that like triggers up the emotion so that it can be cleared, and then obviously you move into maybe just maybe it's safe to be seen, and it does a great deal for the brain and yeah, how you feel moving forward. It's very cool. I hate to sidetrack us, but I do really want to do a callback to a poll that we did a debate that oh, we were having last yes. week. Yes. Sorry, I jumped us right in. <laughs> no, I I'm like really excited about this topic, but then I was like, wait a second, I really need everyone to know how the people felt about this poll. So, okay, Haley, to give you a little bit of background, I had a failed date scheduled with this man because we misunderstood each other when we were scheduling the date. Mm. And so, the question that we posed to the listeners is, imagine it is currently Sunday, August 7th. You are scheduling a date with somebody and they say, I'm free next Wednesday. Okay. Do they mean Wednesday, August 10th or Wednesday, August 17th? The 17th. Thank you. That is the correct answer. (laughs) So it would be this Wednesday, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) My friend, I had a friend in town when – Allie and I were having this debate, and my friend in town, I told her it, and Allie and I are in agreement, to be clear here. Yeah, it was not a debate debate is with this man, this invisible man. I told her about it, and she, in the context of knowing that it was your conversation setting up a date, she goes, he's going to mean the 10th. (laughs) He means the next upcoming Wednesday. Yes, I was thinking the languaging is sometimes it can be like that. Like, no, the next one that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But like something I said last week on the pod was like, if that's next Wednesday, when is this Wednesday? Does this Wednesday just not exist? There is no this Wednesday. Yeah. It's like when you get on a plane and you cross the time dateline, it just falls into the abyss. It's gone. We never had this Wednesday. Um, Okay. So we asked this to the listeners though. What do we think the split was? How what percent thought it was Wednesday, August 10th, and what percent thought it was Wednesday, August 17th? I think it's gonna be 70 the 17th, 30 the 10th. Okay. 80 the 17th, 20 the 10th. 
Rourke nailed it on the money. Whoa. And I didn't even look this time. Yeah, sometimes she cheats and looks. Okay. Wow, I'm glad you didn't look if I'm your competition. This is not very fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so – and then uh, then we invite people – when we when we do these polls, we invite people to tell us, like, why they answered that. And everybody who said the 17th said what we're saying. Yeah. The people who said the 10th, it appears that there's some pretty significant cultural divides where the people in Europe – Every single oh, response that I got was somebody who doesn't live in the States or is, huh. or didn't grow up here. Wow. How interesting. Yeah. I would not have guessed so that. So there, there's like a language aspect to mm. it. And somebody actually told me an anecdote. She's an expat American woman living in Paris. And she actually like had a very significant falling out with her manager because there was a deliverable that she thought was due a full week after her boss had oh, told, thought she told her it was due. <laughs> oh, that is not good. Not good. So apparently it is up for debate, even though uh, the three of us think it's quite clear. Goodness. I'm glad we're talking about this then. Yeah, right? So people. yeah, PSA. Yeah. PSA to everybody. Yes. Clarify. Use numbers. And now I always will. Yeah. You're like, to a circle back, we right. are referring to yes. <laughs> the Cal invite to make sure. Really? Because what happened was he texted me the day of saying, hi, are we still on for tonight? Oh, no. I was like, we definitely no. aren't. I'm at JFK. <laughs> we're the opposite so, of on. Yeah, we're the opposite of on. We're very <laughs> off. Anyway, so circling back, as we say, um, to our conversation, one of the main questions that we got was in the vein of like, let, I'm brand new to manifestation. I'm brand new to these concepts. Like, what are some baby steps? Where do I start with all this? And I guess – even before, sorry, if you don't mind, even before no, that, yeah. can you define oh, manifestation? Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. So I call manifestation our ability to create circumstances and our experience of our lives based off where we're putting our attention and how we are using all the energy at our disposal. And energy also refers to emotions. Um, so like you talk about like vibration or people talk about like things that are high vibe. That just means like a higher emotional state. So like gratitude or can even mean like endorphins because <laughs> you just worked out and like how good we feel after we work out. So as far as like getting started with it though, because obviously a lot of times we do things that feel good to us, moving your focus onto what it is that you want to experience is really profound. The very first thing I did when I got into manifesting was create a vision board and the reason this is important is because in our brains, we have something called a reticular activating system, which means that we are always looking for patterns in our reality based off what we've seen before. It's the same part of our brain that helps us look for like shapes and clouds, for example. Yeah. It's, so that's like, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I th- I, the way that I've heard it, it's like the reason why if I'm considering buying a Honda, all of a sudden mm-hmm. I see Hondas everywhere. Yes. Even though exactly. they, they're not appearing more often than they were before, but my brain is now like yes. noticing them. Which is really cool to note because don't you want to see more things that you'd like to experience? Or if you're looking for a Honda, then you might, you know, see one in front of you that you originally didn't see that's like for sale. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, perfect. Yeah. So the same, it can be true for like opportunities, right? So if you're looking for a new job in a certain area, like graphic design or something, the more that you focus upon that, the more likely you are to see that opportunity and therefore like attract it into your reality. But attracting in this case is really just like of all the available stimuli that's coming at you from your external environment, you're able to focus on what is relevant to you and what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. 
I love that framing because it's less about like, you're not creating things that weren't there. No. <laughs> like you're not like, cause I think when people hear manifestation, especially like rational, logical thinking people that like that consider themselves to be rational, logical thinking people, I think they think, oh, well it's that, you know, I'm going to, the example I gave earlier in the episode was like, I'm going to put a picture of like Nick Jonas on the wall and then he's going to like walk into my life because- yeah. <laughs> I created that. But like, it's really what you're saying. It's like, it's not stuff that didn't exist already. It's like opening yourself up to the possibility of seeing those things. Yeah. And lining yourself up with it. And a huge part of it too is like the identity piece. So believing that you're worthy of experiencing it and having it and seeing yourself like as a match to that. So then we can get into like the energy of it and the vibration of it where, you know, people talk about like law of assumption, which is, you know, assuming that you have it. And really that just means that If you're in the energetic state of like complete confidence and joy and gratitude, you're far more likely to attract what you are working towards into your life than if you're in a state of like, ugh, this never happens for me and like really desperate, needy energy. It's just like they're two opposite sides of the coin in terms of your vibration. And I think we all have evidence of this in our lives. Like we look back on all the things that have come together for us that we've really wanted and our energetic states of that at the time. And I was always noticing that the things that I wanted so desperately that I was like, this is the one thing I need in order to be successful, in order to be worthy, were always the things I was pushing away the most. And otherwise, like I could surrender and open to something that was similar to it. So this was something I saw really clearly when I was applying to transfer colleges. I was obsessed with Stanford, so obsessed that I wore a Stanford shirt to sleep every night. I had like the Stanford logo on my wall. Obviously, I was working extremely hard. I did everything I could to get into Stanford. And I got rejected and I was devastated, devastated, devastated. But, you know, while I was working towards that, what I was really creating for myself was an experience at a university where I felt like I belonged, where I felt like I was inspired, a collaborative environment, like loving the professors. And so I ended up getting into Brown and I was not expecting to get into Brown. I wasn't even really thinking about it. I had actually decided before I got the acceptance letter to go to Vanderbilt and like submitted my deposit and everything. And then found out I got in and the whole thing felt like an exhale and like, relief and like, an oh yeah, there you are. And I feel like that's what life is supposed to feel like. It shouldn't be this like desperate climb. That doesn't mean don't work hard. It means like work hard without the like desperate clinging to what you think it's going to get you to, because oftentimes life has a better plan for you than what you can think of for yourself. Part of your story that I resonated with is I was that kid about Stanford also. Like I wanted to go to Stanford since I was three. And yeah. my uncle went there or something. I don't know how I got into my – from a younger age than one should know what Stanford is. I like wanted to go there. And I had a very – I had a struggle with – so I, I did get into Stanford, but I was choosing between Stanford and Penn. And I like had a very, very hard struggle with letting mm. go of this thing that I had thought was the thing my entire yeah. life, even though – Everything in my body was telling me that Penn was the place where I felt safe and felt like was home. This yeah, is very it, Rory Gilmore. It, <laughs> yes, it does. Really as, as I sit here next to my cats named Rory and Logan. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh, it's iconic. I love you yeah. more now. <laughs> but yeah, that it was like I had to let go of these like things in my mind that were telling me that if I didn't go to Stanford, then I hadn't achieved the thing mm-hmm. that I thought I was supposed to. Yeah. And the part that you said about feeling safe and like feeling it in your body is just like a, oh, this feels good to me. Like even though I submitted my deposit for Vanderbilt and I knew I was going there, I felt extremely anxious 
And I didn't know why. Obviously, it has nothing to do with Vanderbilt, but it felt like an energetic like mismatch at that phase of my life. Like I really wanted to go to Vanderbilt. I was really excited about it, but I felt like deeply homesick. It was really strange. And I didn't really I first I was like, oh, it's just because I'm like leaving Colorado for the first time. And then when I got into Brown, the feeling was so different and I felt so calm despite all of that that then I was like, oh, I see now. And so oftentimes we're able to like look back through our lives and see what that is, whether it's like a person, right? Like a partner. And there was one partner you always felt really anxious with and on edge with. And then there's another partner you always feel safe with or a job. And you're in like one job interview process and the whole time you feel on edge and like, you're going to mess up every word. And then lo and behold, you do. And then there's another opportunity where it feels like no matter what, I can't mess this up because this is an energetic match for me. So I know that's like getting a little bit off manifesting. Cause what I believe is that there's a little bit of like fate that comes into play too. And you got to like surrender to the process as well. Um, but I also believe that the highest possible vision that you have for your life and for yourself is like interconnected with what is meant for you. But sometimes we get super hyper-focused on like, yeah, what this looks like for me, or I think I want this because it's what my parents want for me, or this would make me look really good from an ego perspective. But there is some like reconciliation between the two. Yeah. I think that the societal pressure piece can often be hard to parse out where it's like, what have I been told I want versus what do I actually mm-hmm. want? Absolutely. Um, I, I want to circle back to – so this is my vision board. <gasps> oh my gosh. I love it. I – with a couple – there's a uh, there's a partner at my law firm and we um, vision board every quarter. And I'm interested in if I, – I have a feeling I might be doing it wrong and so I want to <laughs> ask you about how to do <laughs> <Okay>. it. Yes. <laughs> so – are you supposed to put on a vision board specific things that you want? Because like what I what I have done in the past is we always – like a couple of us all contribute magazines and then there's this sort of period where we all kind of go through them, trade them among each other. And I just tear out and cut out things that like grab me in some way. Like mm-hmm. I feel drawn to them. Yes. And it like – is therefore kind of interpretive. Like I'm not buying a bunch of plants, right? But like there's definitely like a theme of like growth. Like you probably can't read it, but there's a little quote on here that says, I'm undertaking something enormous that should have been done decades ago. And like mm-hmm. I'm pretty late to my career. Like I am in my 30s and in my first year at this in this job, in total career shift. And so like it's this it's like this feeling of kind of like newness and growth. And like, I think that's yeah. why I like went for the plan yeah. or whatever, but like, is that, am I doing what? Ha, no, that's absolutely me, right. That's absolutely right. And it's really about how it feels to you when you look at it, because for one, obviously like putting down things you want to experience is really powerful. So your brain can take hold of, okay, this is exactly what I want. So oftentimes that can be something like material. Like if you've got like a dream apartment or there's somewhere you want a vacation to having pictures of that is really great. But it's more so about when I look at this vision board, do I feel like it's emanating the energy of what I'm trying to step into? And that's where the words are really important. That's an amazing phrase that you found. I love the idea of having a plant on there because that really represents something to your subconscious. And I imagine too, the reason it called to you is because there's something else about plants that makes you feel deeply grounded or, you know, something about being supported by the universe and growth. It's up to your, you know, subconscious, but you're doing it exactly right when it's what grabs you. And I always say like when you're building out a vision board and especially when you have like unlimited resources at your disposal to find images and uh, photos. So if you're doing like Pinterest, Tumblr, 
just take any image, even if it surprises you, that makes you feel really excited. Like you look at a picture, or you, you read a phrase and you're just like, ooh, ooh, I really like that. And it could be so like unexpected. You know, for me, I've never really been a big like health freak, but every time I see like a beautiful tray of fruit. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's how it <laughs> me. I didn't think I wanted a tray of fruit, but like I, I put health. that on the vision board. Yes, I am the picture of health. <laughs> and I feel it when I look at it, you know, and you, you never know like what that's going to be for you at a given time. And that's why it's good to update your vision board regularly. It's a really good practice to do like every year. I always do it around like New Year's, New Year's Day. Uh, but I love that you said you do it every quarter. Yeah, we try to. We definitely, so this one was, um, we did it in September this year because that's when I started at the firm and it was like to be like, yeah, you're starting, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so we did it. But um, I think she has tried to do the monthly, which I think is actually like, a, that has felt a little too frequent to me. I, I That's a lot. Yeah. yeah that feels <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. How big should they be? I'm like really excited. I'm going to make one. Yeah, you should. Well, it's I'll it's super fun, especially like turn on some happy jams, light some candles, have some friends over, like make it a big party. I also have one for my phone. So I made like a collage on Canva and then I found oh. like digital images and it doesn't really matter how big it is. It matters how often you look at it and not just looking at it like now is the moment I will be looking at my vision board. <laughs> but if it's somewhere that you're going to see it frequently, because again, your subconscious is taking note of every single thing you see around you. So that's why it's really important to have it as like your phone wallpaper or your desktop wallpaper or something, because you check your phone, you check your laptop all the time, and you're not consciously thinking like it's time to look at this, but your subconscious is still taking it in. So it makes it far easier for you to manifest it faster. Like a lot of times people do vision boards, but then they tuck it away in their closet. And that still works. Like in The Secret, there was that one guy, I think like John Asaroff, who made a vision board and he put his dream home on it, tucked the vision board away, literally didn't look at it for like 30 years and then was going through his old stuff with his son. They pulled out the vision board and the house in the vision board was the same house they lived in. And he completely forgot. Whoa. So it still works. It That's still wild. works. But if you'd like to expedite the process and feel inspired more often, like getting into that energetic seat, having it somewhere where you see it frequently is very helpful. I love the I love me a canvas session. Yes. So I'm very I'm excited. I'm excited. You should be. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's easier to update regularly, right? Rather than being like, okay, time to go to the craft store again. That's yeah. that's exactly what is resonating with me about it because something that has hindered me in the past. It seems so easy to just cut something out and stick it on a piece of paper, but that has been too high of a barrier to entry for me. It's a big one. I mean, you've really got to plan it out, go to the, go to the store, <laughs> like, and then you're confined to what the magazine has to offer. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't have magazines. I gotta go get magazines. Like it's just like a whole thing that like oh when God, I'm saying it out loud. This is also dramatic, both of you. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that I realize it's dumb, but it just feels like this. I get barrier. It, I get it. We got it. Yeah, we got to eliminate the barriers to entry so we can get more manifesting on the road. Yeah, yeah. but I'm in Canva like literally every day doing yeah, spending time working on stuff night that I activity for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> night absolutely. is the night. Yes, perfect. I'm gonna hop off this. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. My vision board. It's been nice talking to you, but I gotta go. Got <laughs> short. You were so inspiring. We're done. <laughs> so inspiring that we're ending. Inspiring. Yeah. You need to be worse at this, Haley. Yeah. Is really what was saying. Oops. Um, so what would, I feel like if I were listening to this and I were skeptical of manifestation, I'm like fully on board now, but what would you, what do you say to people who, who come at it with some skepticism? 
Well, first of all, I'm not in the business of convincing anybody because we're all on our own journeys with it. And honestly, like if you're in a place where you're skeptic, like skeptical, (laughs) a skeptic, then maybe it's because it's not time yet for you to look into it. And maybe it, it won't be, or maybe you have your own take on it. Like honestly, manifesting, even though I believe it's like an energetic truth, it's just a truth. Doesn't matter like what religion or spirituality you're a part of. It's still like a version of spirituality and your level of faith. And you're also like your self-concept. So that's a hard thing to try to like convince people of if they're not ready Mm. for it. Uh, The one thing I will say is if you're like, hmm, I think I could be interested in this. I just need some more convincing is to read books about it, like read books about your subconscious mind. I'll say anytime that I feel like I'm low on faith because I'm too much in the energy of it, of like, oh, wow, if it's just, you know, poof out of out of nowhere, I'm creating something because of the energy of it. Going back to what we know about the subconscious mind and the examples there gives me a lot of faith. And then also the book E Squared by Pam Grau is a really good beginner's book because they have energy experiments in the book, which is like, okay, try to manifest a song from high school. Um, And that means like you just hear it, right? That's not manifesting your dream car, but it's manifesting something into your reality that wasn't there. And you just Hmm. need to have like a few of those little experiences. And that's why you should really like speaking of the barrier to entry for manifestation, make it something really small, like a free cup of coffee, something you have no attachment to. Because your belief in your power to manifest and that manifestation is real has to be something you build up over time. So, wow, I manifested hearing a song from high school or like in an unexpected place or a cup of coffee. Okay, whoa, I feel the power of it. Like you feel the excitement, you feel the exhilaration. And then you're like, let me try something more. And then all of a sudden you have all these like little breadcrumbs where you're like, okay, clearly there's something here. And it's from that place of belief, because belief is so foundational for your mindset and where you're creating, that it becomes easier to create the big things that you do have a vested interest in, such as your dream job, your dream partner, et cetera. Yeah, I think those are really good. Those are great like starting places. And I think that it can be helpful to have sort of like specific vision. I don't want to use the word visions, but like specific kind of self- like tasks like that mm-hmm. to get into it where um my so my matchmaker actually like Ali and I both have like matchmakers and mine very early on actually gave me what I think is a essentially a manifestation task Ooh. where she was saying to me that like you are so independent and so able to take care of yourself that your energy is not giving off like a lot of space for like somebody else to be a part of that. And you do want to be able to like be weak sometimes and like have somebody carry the load and et cetera. And so what she told me to do is that she wants me to, if like I'm in a grocery store and somebody is, you know, a grocery store employee comes up and is like, do you need like, Oh, like, were you looking for something? Even if the answer is no, say yes. And welcome mm-hmm. in like small bids for help. I love and that. yeah, like she called them like like the, it's an offer of love to like help somebody. And obviously, like I'm not implying that like <laughs> like a grocery store employee is offering like love exactly, but it is like you know <laughs> she said, just say like <laughs> yeah. oh like I'm looking you know I'm looking for the green apples. Can you point me there? It, yeah. Whatever, make it up. Who gives a shit? It, it doesn't matter. But like that person is offering something to you. And by accepting it, you are like welcoming, you're going to create like a feedback loop of like giving off an energy that welcomes that. And Mm -hmm. it is something I do have to keep top of mind because I definitely forget it. Like even 
like there was a um like a date offered to like when we after we recorded with Mr. Nobody, he offered to like take my garbage out. And my first answer is to be like, oh no, no, no. like I can totally do that myself. Mm-hmm. Duh fucking duh. Of he course knows you can. I can take the garbage out. That's not the <laughs> point. Right. Yeah. And I think I love that too because when you're dismissive of things that are being offered to you, it's telling the universe, no. I'm good. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. When you're saying yes, like literally when you're saying yes by your focus on something, your attention to it, your receiving of it, your gratitude for it, it's telling the universe, yes, more of this. Totally. Yeah. I'm really bad at that when I'm out and about and somebody asks if I need help, even if I do. Like I was recently in a Sephora and I was looking for something really specific and somebody came up and asked if I needed help and I did and I said no. <laughs> well, that's also we could get we could get really trippy and get into like the subconscious beliefs around that with so it's basically like receiving wound Ooh. and that's like a real that's a real thing when we have a hard what time accepting help from people oftentimes it's because in the past when we received something it wasn't given in like the purest of intentions so maybe you mm. like received advice or help or whatever from somebody but then they did it as like a means to an end or something happened that made you feel like it wasn't totally safe to receive or you didn't feel worthy of receiving. So that can also play a role. <laughs> Not to get fully into the subconscious of it. No, but please no, do. No, I love it. I love yeah. it though. Or like I think because I, I've talked about this with my therapist as well, where like I think for me it's because I had a perception that in school, like when I was young, that if I needed help, I wasn't as smart. Ooh, that like I no. di- I didn't want help because that meant that I didn't know how to do something. Allie, this was a subconscious breakthrough right here, right now. I- <laughs> now <it's- laughs> here we are. <laughs> now that is manifesting as you not wanting to ask for help in Sephora or accept help. Yes. Yes. I literally and I and it was so like I only hurt myself because I then spent it wasn't that long, but like five minutes that right. didn't need to be spent wandering the aisles and this Sephora employee was probably watching me being like this idiot this is looking for something <laughs> and can't find it <laughs> and here I am knowing where every single product in this whole fucking store is and she she has refused my help that's too funny well, yeah so I think I, perhaps I need to go back to Sephora and ask for help yeah it's, it's your time for a redo but proud yes. of you for using it as an opportunity to look back and find Find the initial cause of that one. Yes, totally. Um, but that but that definitely translates into relationships too. Like that example that you gave work with Mr. Nobody, like it I have had I've gotten feedback in relationships in my past that there is very little space for somebody to help me. That like I don't mm. because I don't like need quote unquote anything, that it feels like I don't want. Yeah. Which isn't the case, but um, keeping keeping this in the realm of relationships, and it's almost a nexus between. Or I guess what made me sorry, I'm not phrasing this very well. What made me think of it is your Brown story. There's something to this that is both very intentional, but then also like unintentional. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of trying to sort out how this squares with a phrase like, "You'll find him when you least expect it." <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, something like that where it's like, well, no, I've been like doing this other like, but there is something a little bit to that. And it's like I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of like put my finger on like how that type of perspective like fits in here because I do think it does. I'm just doing a poor job of phrasing it. 
No, I think you're doing a, I think you're doing a good job. And I think the reason that that's such like an archetypal thing, like I found it when I least expected it is because it's an energetic thing. Like when you stop needing something desperately outside of you, that's when it can come in because you're in the energy of having it. Being in the energy of I need, I need, I need is the energy of the lack of it. And so you could try it out with like all all the little things in your life, whether it's I really need it to rain today. (laughs) I don't know. Not like you have like a real need attached to that, but seriously, anything like I really need the grocery store to not be out of almond milk. (laughs) I don't know. Something like along those lines. And it's always in the times that you're like, ah, it's fine either way that it comes through because it's just, you know, you're in that place of like energetic completion. There's this great quote by Abraham Hicks that says, in your wholeness, you attract in your neediness, you repel because it's just energetic. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you're not like out there, you know, dating, looking for, you know, asking to be like set up on the dating apps, whatever you want to do. And that doesn't mean you don't have a list of the things that you'd like to have in a partner and the ways that you'd like to feel with them and whatever that is. But it's also like you can know that you want something, but be in the energy of I'm fine whenever it's going to come in because I'm good on my own. Mm. Yeah. I like that it can be both. Yeah. Yeah. Because something that is always frustrating to me and that we've talked about on this podcast before is when people are like, well, you just have to love yourself first. I'm like, I love myself plenty. Yeah. I can love myself and yeah. want to love someone else. Yeah. It's so true. And I, yeah. And I think that's where people get caught. Yeah. It's kind of like a cliche thing. Ob- yeah. You definitely do have to love yourself because you attract what you think about yourself and what you're giving to yourself. But then people get caught up in like, well, I love myself, but where the heck is he? Like, where is he coming yeah. through? And so can you exist in this place of loving yourself, but also like, there's this scene and manifestation and in spirituality of like having infinite patience. So you're mm. really like, it's okay. Mm. Like whenever he comes or she comes or they come, that's good with me. But I'm until then I have a full life. I'm really into my career, my passions, my friends, my home, like, you know, whatever it is for you. And just filling that out, a lot of times people are like, oh, but then there's no space in my life to bring someone in. But it's the opposite. Like try to make your energy as whole and complete as possible because that's the most energetically attractive thing. Totally agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Do you think that there are like different – so people asked about, you know, if I'm trying to attract different kinds of goals, like if I have love goals or career goals or money goals, like do you think there are different – ways of thinking about those things or different techniques for that? Or is it all kind of like under this larger umbrella? Mm, I would say it's all under the larger umbrella for sure. There's it's, it's like there's different strategies that can be applied in different ways to all of those things. So no matter what it is that I'm trying to manifest and what area of my life it's in, I know that I'm going to be doing visualization and maybe some vision boarding or just adding an element of it to my vision board. And the main thing is that I'm going to be tapping, going to be doing my EFT tapping and figuring out like what's at the root there. Um, I'll add to like tapping is very powerful for manifestation because usually the thing that's preventing a manifestation from coming in is feeling like it's not safe to have it uh, or you're not worthy of having it. You can't imagine Mm. yourself having it. So if I want to manifest a huge up level in my career, I'm going to be doing the deep shadow work on, do I believe I'm worthy of this up level? What scary thing might happen if all of a sudden I am that successful? What are people going to think of me? Do I feel like I'm going to be able to handle it? Do I anticipate any like concerns or problems that might arise? And if so, where did I get that evidence? Did I see someone else go through that when they went through a huge up level? Okay, let me tap and release those fears. And now since I've released that, I've also released my resistance to what I want. And now I'm an energetic match for it because I do feel completely worthy 
of having it and it, it feels safe to have it. And I'll also add that I like to think of EFT tapping as just like removing the muck of these limiting beliefs that are all falsehoods to get back to the truth of your being, because at our core, we are all completely worthy of every single thing we want. We're all safe. We're all guided. But we have a lot of perceptions of the world and ourselves that get in the way that we've taken on from others because of scary things that we've seen, things that have been told to us, things that have been modeled to us. And so a lot of manifestation is like clearing that out and being like, nope, it's safe for me to have this. I'm worthy of having this. But it really, I really encourage people to do the deeper look, especially if you've been trying to manifest something for a long time and it's just not coming through and you don't know why. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? There's usually something underneath the surface because your subconscious is really what's running your life and it can be yeah. slamming on the brakes no matter how much work you're doing in like the 3D and in, in your conscious brain. So where would you say – actually, one of the main questions we got too was what what are some things that can hinder manifestation? It sounds like this is like a That's massive a one. Yeah. If somebody wants to look into EFT tapping or like kind of like start to explore that, what would you suggest as a starting point? So there's a lot of really good free videos on YouTube from Brad Yates. He was like the OG. So he has videos dating back to like 2010 and I would use them all the time in college and it helped me a lot. And then as for using it like for manifestation purposes, I'll say that learning how to do it first is really, really important. So I have a lot of podcast episodes about EFT as free resources, but I also have an EFT DIY course. And then I do slingshot sessions, which are 90 minute group tapping sessions where we tap on certain things such as fear of being seen, manifesting healthy love, money blocks. And I actually have one called manifestation that works for literally any manifestation you want. And it just asks you the right questions to get to the heart of it. But I gave everyone like a sneak preview of that, which is like what bad thing happens if you get there, (laughs) what feels scary and using those questions as guiding points, doing the journaling and then doing tapping, following whatever you want, whether that's, you know, Brad Eats videos or just like a quick look up online uh, can clear a lot. That's super helpful. I want to, I want to explore that myself. I, something that I recently feel like I had a bit of a, I guess, breakthrough about is I, I'm super close with my parents. I'm an only child. And I realized that I think like a, the, what you said that made me think of it was like, what's my fear about getting this thing I say that I want is something I'm afraid about, about like really meeting my person and like developing that type of relationship is that I have this weird fear about, starting my own family means I have to leave the one that I'm in. Whoa. Yeah. And (laughs) so I'm like working on, like, I'm like, that is something that I'm like trying to parse through a little bit more. That's a major one. You guys look at you both having these breakthroughs and talking them through right now. I mean, mine is about Sephora. Yeah, I know, but no, but we found something larger. Cause there, that's definitely a symptom of something larger. But yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's a common belief. And something you can even do is just have an affirmation that you can jot onto your vision board. Something like it's safe to have both, and maybe have like a visualization practice you do where you imagine being with your parents, with your partner and with your family and it just expanding the family, expanding the love and it being a really beautiful, seamless process. And the more that you're able to visualize that, the more you're building out the neural pathway for that future memory, you know, that experience that's destined to happen and it will just bring you a lot more peace and then calm down your subconscious. That's a great idea. Yeah. But tap into. I'm going to implement that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that I haven't thought about it in that way before, but I've thought about 
a fear that I have of meeting somebody and what that means for my life. Like the, what you said mm. about, you know, worry, being worried that you don't have space for something in your life. I worry like, well, I like to go to volleyball tournaments every weekend. Like I spent all day yesterday at a volleyball tournament and I would have played today. And yesterday somebody was at, somebody asked a girl that I was sitting with if she wanted to play today. And she was like, no, I can't do that. Like I got to hang out with my fiance Etc. And like she's making that choice, obviously, right. to balance her time. But my immediate reaction was like, oh God, like I'm gonna have to make those kinds of choices at some point. Mm. Where my life, my the stuff that I do is not doesn't just fully affect me. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's definitely a common fear too. And so I guess like the the best thing you can do to turn something on its head when you're realizing these things come up is just ask yourself, what would I rather believe? Like, what's the mm. best way that I could view this? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I really like that. Usually we're quick to jump into all the ways that it's bad and, oh my gosh, it might get worse. And that's our subconscious doing its job. It's trying to keep us safe. It's more concerned with our safety than our happiness, but maybe it's all okay. Yeah. I was actually talking to a client about that recently because she's been going on dates with this guy and she noticed that he was gone from – she met him on Bumble and she noticed that he was gone from her matches Hmm. and – she and I, just to be clear, I asked her if I could share this story, um, although it's totally anonymous. Um, and so he was gone from her matches and she was like, he unmatched me. He's not interested anymore. You know, all this stuff. And I said to her, like, what if he deleted Bumble because he doesn't want to see anybody else and just hasn't brought that up to you yet because he's not imposing it on you. He's just choosing it for himself. Mm. that reminded me of what you said of what thing would you rather believe yes both of those things could be true he could have unmatched her because he's not interested anymore Mm -hmm. the more likely reason is not that because hopefully he would have broken up with her yeah like hopefully (laughs) he's not using the take before unmatching right like hopefully (laughs) he's not using bumble unmatching to communicate to her that he's no longer interested right yeah and it's usually like the first thought our brain goes to is based off some memory of our past and our self-concept so i mean it's like normal to think oh it must be because of this worst case scenario maybe because there is some unresolved unhealed heartbreak still there around Mm. feeling you know rejected ghosted etc yeah, like somebody did yes, ghost exactly. her in the past and decide mm-hmm. that they didn't want to date her anymore and never said anything. They communicate it. And they're like, oh, no, it's happening again. Because, yeah, we don't come up with these things for fun. We have some type of evidence, air quotes, for it. It might not even be something that happened to us. It could be something we saw happen to a friend or happened in a movie or a TV show. And we're like, oh, man, it's happening. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's happening. So, yeah, turning right. it on its head. Very powerful. I know you said you're not in the business of convincing skeptics, Haley, but mm-hmm. I will take that mantle. And I think that there is a lot here that really reminds me of CBT, which is an incredibly scientifically valid studied therapeutic technique where so much of it is using your brain to reform your reactions and interactions with the world and to challenge yourself to ask like, well, is that a true story? What is the evidence? Mm-hmm. You know, and there. So I just I think that there's like a lot here that has plenty of support in the world. So skeptics, yeah. be damned. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Love it. No, yeah. It all it all really starts to like integrate in this beautiful way where you're like, whoa, okay. Actually, all along, whether I've known it or not, 
I have been creating my reality. Like now that I'm able to trace it back, I have been able to see again, like going back to the previous example of times I was really needy and desperate around something. And then I, it just did not work out. I'll also, okay, let me just add on this, not to go into a tangent. Sometimes we feel really needy and desperate about something because we can feel that it's not for us, but we want it to be. Oh, there's like so a relatable. Yeah. Dissonance where it's like, <gasps> I feel like I need to hold on with all my might because otherwise it won't stay where you deserve something that feels more natural than that. Uh, but yeah, we have those examples in our lives or even times like, man, that was that one season of my life where I was just having the best time ever. I was feeling so grateful. I was feeling so aligned. I was doing whatever it was every single day that made me feel so good. And all these beautiful, magical opportunities kept coming out of nowhere. Like trace it back. You've created energetic circumstances many, many times in your life that have yielded results. We usually just like don't click it together. Mm. So true. Is this why the ranger is back, do we think? I, yes. Rourke well, I'll tell you is, the story. I'll tell you the story. I'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. Work is uh, is recently reconnected with, with somebody um, that I, I think oh, so. I think so. Anyway. <laughs> um, Haley, this has been amazing. And I think I think our listeners are going to be pleasantly surprised by the sort of like scientific turn mm-hmm. that this took, which like is the reason that you're here in the first place because I knew that we knew that you had this approach. <laughs> um, but, but like I – I think a lot of people don't realize the, you know, that aspect of manifestation. And, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for people to hear this. Yeah, me too. And I think it's really important for people to know that you have more power than you think and you can change your life. You really can. Like you're never stuck. You're always guided. You have tools, so many tools, you know, for me with learning all of this, with starting EFT yeah. tapping, with doing vision boards, like it made me just feel like, whoa, I actually have a toolbox where I can, I'm in charge of my life. Like I'm in the steering wheel and that brings a lot of faith and comfort too, because a lot of times it can feel like you're just along for the ride with all the circumstances, but there's more out there. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of there being more out there, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Sure. I'm at Haley Hoffman Smith on both Instagram and TikTok. Then my podcast is called Big Conversations. We talk about all of this stuff and then some. And then I definitely encourage you to check out Slingshot Sessions and the EFT DIY course if anything I said about EFT tapping stood out to you. Amazing. Well, thank you again. This was incredible. It was so fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Good night.